You're listening to the City Hope Church podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope this can inspire you and build your faith. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning again, everyone. How are we doing, 9 o'clock? You doing good? Yeah. So, so good to see you. Uh, Hey, if I haven't got the chance to personally meet you, my name is Noah, and uh, I'm the lead pastor at City Hope, and it's an honor uh, to be here with you today. Uh, Today we're starting uh, really what is our summer series. Can you believe it's almost summer? It's not quite summer yet, but we're, hey, we're just going to kick it off early, everybody. Is that okay with you? Like, let's get, let's get on to summer. I know some kids in here that are like graduating. You're ready to get out. You're ready. Anybody ready for the summer? You ready for the summer? All right. A couple of Laura's ready for the summer. Thank you, Laura. And so uh, I, I appreciate that. So I'm excited. I'm ready for it too. We've got some awesome things happening uh, all summer, actually. In fact, uh, every, every, every weekend in the summer, we're doing uh, something a little special and a little different uh, outside before service. So I'd encourage you to come hang out uh, and join us. We're going to have some different games and stuff going on outside. We're going to have some special giveaways and different stuff like that. Today is Mother's Day. you got the cookie bar downstairs, some photos. And so hope you utilize that. But we've got fantastic things planned all summer long. And uh, man, so we're, like I said, we're going we're gonna to be in this summer at City Hope Series, and uh, I'm, I'm actually, this summer, I'm going to bring you um, some, I, I hope to bring you some great messages. Pastor Tyler's preaching in two weeks, and so we're excited for Pastor Tyler. I'm bringing in some guest speakers this summer as well that you won't want to miss. It's going to be a great, fun time. Um, but really, the first thing, uh, before, before I tell you about all the amazing summer events that are happening here, uh, I want to tell you about one personal thing. And uh, that is tonight at 7 o'clock, I'm giving the baccalaureate address um, at Trico High School. And so, super excited for that. And so I tell you that because I need that fan section there tonight. Yeah, so <laughs> I need someone to amen me, you know. And uh, anyway, but if you, if you would like to come, it's at 7 o'clock tonight, and I would love to see you there. And, uh, and I'm honored to be able to do that. That is, it's, it's so cool for me because it was just seven short years ago that I was literally in their seats, and uh, it's going to be a fun time. I'm actually going to get to share uh, a few fun high school memories. In fact, one of those memories that I'm going to share tonight is the fact that, uh, that a lot of our church is full of people that I went to high school with, and not only what people that I went to high school with, but people that I graduated with. And, uh, and, and it's, it's very neat that I wasn't really connected with many of them. And now, not only, not only did I graduate with them uh, and weren't really connected with them, now they're a part of our church. They're serving on a team somewhere. Me and Grace, Grace who just led the two songs of worship, uh, we graduated the same class at Trico. And we get to, we get to serve together. And some, now they're some of my best friends, everyone. And so that's, it's so cool to see. And uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm super excited, and uh, uh, so so if you if you're available at seven o'clock and you want to hear a baccalaureate address, come uh, come and hang out with me. And uh, so anyway, but I told you so that's kind of kicking off the summer for me as we talk about graduation. I know it's graduation weekend for so many people, and so congratulations to all of our graduates, whether you're uh, graduating high school, college. Uh, that is a big thing. So congratulations, and I want to tell you a little bit about where we're going in the next couple of weeks. Um, next weekend, we're, I'm calling it Next Gen Weekend. We did this last year, 
Um, but I want to bring it back again this year. We're going to be talking about the importance of the next generation. And so how many of you know the next generation needs Jesus? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so amen to that. Yeah. And so, hey, and I'm a part of that next generation. So don't amen too loud. And uh, anyway, but yes, we're going to be talking about the importance for the next generation. The devil is attacking our kids and students. And we're going to stand. Uh, we, we are standing against that. And not only that, but I'm excited. Uh, next week, I'm going to give you several different big announcements, uh, some, some major changes and shifts that we're doing in our next-gen department, and, uh, and I, I'm going to bring some pictures and introduce some new people to you. It's going to be awesome, and so I'd love for you uh, to join us for some of those big announcements next weekend as it is next-gen weekend. Uh, and then after that, I told you Pastor Tyler is bringing the word that next week of May, and then, and then the week after that, on June the 4th, starts our summer small group semester. And so this is a six-week small group semester. So I tell you that now because uh, many of you, you, you might have a great idea to lead a group somewhere. Uh, and so I talked to someone last night about leading a golfing small group after church. I think that would, I would be a part of that. And so anyway, there's all kinds of fun things that we can do during the summer. Pickleball's up and rolling right now, and I'm sure we'll continue to go through the summer. Lots of fun summer groups um, and, uh, available that are going to be available. And if you have an idea, talk to Pastor Tyler after the service today. He'd love to connect you. You can actually fill out a form online if you'd like to uh, lead a group. So now's the time to start thinking about leading a group. And then we're going to be in those small groups June the 4th through July the 15th. And then I also want to give you this date. It's our Summer Blast Kids Conference, and so we, we don't do VBS around here. We just do the upgraded version of VBS, uh, and so we just upgraded a little bit. We call it Summer Blast, and that's June the 14th through the 16th this year. I'll tell you all the details about that next weekend as it's Next Gen Weekend. Serve Day is happening. Mark your calendars. I want everyone to circle this date on your calendar, Saturday, July 15th. Once a year, I ask everyone a part of our church to be a part of a serve project, and this is the date this year. And so my hope is that all of us would serve outside the walls of this church, not just on serve day, but this is a great place to get started. And so July the 15th uh, is that date, and let's go. We, we make such a difference in this year, not just in, in Murfreesboro, but in our community and the surrounding areas. And so we, we're going to have projects all over so mark, that, mark your date on that calendar. Emotion Student Conference, I'll talk to you more about that next week, but I do want you to uh, be thinking about this with your students in sixth grade through college. This is a monumental moment that they can have with the Lord, and I would love, love, love uh, for you and uh, for your, your, your kids and students to experience this. And I do want to mention this today that this that this one event does come at a cost for us because we've got to pay for buses, hotels, and the conference tickets and food for your kids. It's an all-inclusive thing, so they get everything that they need while they're there. Um, but it does have a cost, and I do want to say that if for whatever reason you feel like you can't come up with the cost or if you're not even close to it, do not let money stand in the way from your kids experiencing this. We have people who are very, very generous who have already reached out and asked and said, hey, is there any kids who need sponsored? If you are one of those, talk to one of our pastors, talk to one of our team members, and you say, man, I just don't think I'm going to be able to come up with that. Man, we never, by the way, this is not just with this event, any event that we ever have a dollar sign attached to, know that it is, <laughs> that's just a suggested fee, everyone. That's just so that we can cover uh, our, ourselves, but never let money stand in the way from those events. We want you to experience that. And so, yes, clap for those who give and who are generous. Yeah. 
because it's those who are, who are very generous in our church that allows, us to, allows me to be able to say things like that to you today. And so just want to let you know, those are some summer things coming up, lots of exciting stuff. But today, um, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about a mother um, in the Bible. I'm going to talk to you about a very important mother, not just any mom. I'm talking today about one of the great, 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 great grandmothers of Jesus. Think about that. What does it take to be a grandmother of Jesus? What, what, what do you think it would take to be the grand? Like, how holy do you think you have to be to be the, the grandmother of Jesus? And we're going to talk about one of those great, great, great grandmothers of Jesus. Uh, we're going to talk about a lady named Rahab. Rahab. Rahab is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. And if you know anything about Hebrews chapter 11, it's nicknamed the Hall of Fame of Faith. This is, where, uh, this is where the writer talks about all these great people of faith who have passed before us and things that we can learn from them. And Rahab is mentioned in that hall of fame of faith. It's remember who she is. And it's, it's, a, it's, an, it's an incredible honor to even be mentioned there. And so you're thinking, man, well, what does it take? What does it take to be the grandmother, the great, great grandmother of Jesus? You must, you got to be perfect, right? Like you got to come from the right family, you got to be sinless, right? Like you got to, the halo's got to be floating over your head, right? If you're going to, if you are going to one day, like your family is going to bear Jesus, that, that must be what you have to have, right? <laughs> well, as many of you know, that's not exactly what Rahab's life was. In fact, I'll give you an example of who Rahab was. Rahab was <laughs> not sinless. Rahab was actually a prostitute. Think about this for just a moment. In the bloodline of our Savior, in the bloodline of Jesus, we, the great, one of the great-grandmothers of Jesus was a prostitute. So how does a woman, how does, this, how does this woman go from a prostitute to in the genealogy of Jesus? How does that make sense? What, what, and, and, and what I'd like to think about, and we're, we're gonna, what we're going to do today is we're just going to study her. We're going to study her life for just a little bit. But what I like to do when I'm studying a character in the Bible is I like to ask this question. You know, if, if, if Rahab, if that character of the Bible, if Rahab was in the room today, what would she say to us? Like if Rahab was giving this message to you today, what would she, what would she preach about? You know what I think she'd say? I think she'd say, well, man, my life didn't start off very well. Or, man, my life, my life, it was... It was really, really dark. And in fact, this is, what I, this is really what I want to preach to you today. For when you're, when you're feeling disappointed with your life, how many of you can, how many of you can, you say, I've been there. I, I feel like I've, I've been disappointed. I'm not only a time, I like, some of us, we feel like we're in a season of disappointment. Like, I'm just, I'm just disappointed. Listen, I dedicate this message to all of you who would say that today. All of you who would say, man, Pastor Noah, I just... I'm disappointed with what's happening in my life. I don't like my life story. Maybe some of you say, I just feel like a failure. I just feel like I'm not enough. Or some of us, we look at, we look at the book of our life and we're like, man, surely this isn't what God had in mind. <laughs> How could God have planned this? Like this doesn't make any sense. And listen, we, we know from Scripture that uh, Scripture literally tells us that your life story has been written by God. Do you know that? That your life story has been written by God. Psalm 139 says, All the days of your life 
were written in God's book before one of them came to be. So God has a story. God's written the story of your life. And you're like, well, Pastor Noah, are you telling me that God wrote this? <laughs> you know, like God wrote this screwed up life? And the answer is, he, no, not exactly. The truth is, is that God has a beautiful story written for each and every one of us. But you know, the problem is, we've just added a few chapters here and there, right? <laughs> like he's got a beautiful book <laughs> from start to finish. But we keep adding some bad chapters, some things that he didn't have planned. And, and that's really, I think, what if Rahab was here with us today, I think that's what she'd say. Is that, man, who would have known that someone who ended up, like, think about this. Do you think that she ended up in, in doing this prostitution stuff because she wanted to? I'm, not I'm, I'm convinced that that's not the case. She, maybe she was forced to. Maybe, I, I, don't, I don't know whether she was forced to or she chose, but I guarantee that every time that she was with, with another man, I guarantee she felt the shame and the guilt, and she probably knew that this, is what, this was not the story that God had written for her life. And some of you, that's where you are today. You're in a place where <laughs> you feel like you're going, every day you just feel like this is not the story that God has written for my life. And that's, I think if Rahab was here today, she would, she would remind you of the same thing that, hey, I've added a, a few chapters in my life, but the good news, I think she'd encourage us and say that the good news is, is that even though I've added a few bad chapters, God stepped in, the author stepped back into my story, and guess what? He wrote himself back into my story, and now I'm the great, great, great grandmother of Jesus. Like, how cool is that? And so I'm telling you, I think she would, I think she would tell us today that if we feel like we've been disappointed by life, we just need to let God write our story. And for some of you, that's the choice today, is you need to put down the pen. <laughs> some of you have, and, and, and rightfully so, and I think this is especially right with young people. When I think about the baccalaureate address that I'm giving today, I'm going to talk about this a little bit, because what happens is, is that a lot of young people, we feel like we have to hold the pen. We feel like we have to do it all, and we have to write our own story. But Scripture says that God is the author and the perfecter of our faith. And so sometimes, sometimes it takes us letting go. <laughs> it's letting him hold the pen. And so what can we learn? You say, Pastor Noah, what can we learn from this lady? What, 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 what can we learn from Rahab's story? Well, the first thing, if you're taking notes, I know all you holy people in the room are taking notes, so take those notes, right? All right? And here's the first one. is that God searches for you to be in his story. God searches for you. <laughs> So what's beautiful about the first thing is, is that we don't even have to do anything. Like God's looking for us. Do you know, some of you just need to be reminded of that. Do you know that God is looking for you? He's searching for you. It's the parables in Matthew that Jesus talks about that he leaves the 99. He leaves the crowd for the one to find you, to find the lost one. And so he he initiates, the good news is, is that God always initiates the process. In fact, I, 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 give, you, I give you an example um, in, in my life. I mean, God, there's so many different times where I just felt like I was just lost, that I was far away from the Lord. I was talking uh, with, my, uh, with mom and uh, my sister before service a little bit about this, how one of those times was not too long ago, a couple, just, it's been about two years ago, well, it's been more than two years ago, hasn't it? just about two years ago, 
It feels like it's been a long time since my grandpa passed away. And we were talking about that this morning and how that's just changed the, the family dynamics and it's changed the dynamics with, with me, with, with, with grandma and different things like that. And it, it's just, it's changed things and it hurt us. And I felt like when, when grandpa passed away, it was something that, it was just a void that was just, it, I, was, I was in the middle of like the darkest season of my life. <laughs> and, I still, I, uh, and I still had to preach everyone. You know, I still had to preach every Sunday. But you know what's beautiful about that? And what mom reminded me about today is the fact that in the middle of that darkness, God still came searching for me. That in the middle of my darkest times, in the middle of my disappointments, I mean, I was disappointed with life, everyone. I, they, you know, you pray for some people to be healed and they just... They don't receive their healing here. And I, so I was disappointed with life. But I was just reminded today of in the middle of that darkness, God came looking for me. He never stopped pursuing after me. His presence didn't go away. And in the oddest way, when we, when we, when we laid Grandpa to rest, like his presence was just right there with me. And so it's in the middle of that darkness that somehow God continues to search for you, and he's still writing himself into, the, into your story. Now, I'm telling you, it's right in the, it, it can be the same thing for you, that it's right in the middle of your darkness that God can still be searching for you, that in the, in the middle of your darkest situation, he's searching. That's what happens to Rahab, by the way. Rahab, I told you, she was a prostitute, and she lives... To give you an idea, Rahab lives in the walls of Jericho. So we all know the story of Joshua and marching around the walls, right, seven times. So he marches around the walls seven times, and the walls come, come down, and then they enter into the promised land. Well, this is right before that happens. Rahab is living in those walls. The walls were so thick, imagine this, the walls were so thick that in the walls of Jericho, they, they had like literally, think about like apartments. So like they had little apartments inside the walls. So people literally lived inside the walls. Rahab was one of those who literally had a home in the walls of Jericho. I told you about Joshua. Joshua is now leading this nation of Israel, and Moses has just passed away. Remember Moses? Moses led them out, of, out into the wilderness, out of, the, out of Egypt, out of slavery in Egypt. They wandered in the wilderness. For, God's people wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, everyone. And it is just about the time Moses passes away, Joshua takes the reins, and they're getting ready to reclaim the promised land, the land that God has for them. And they're getting ready to go in and fight Jericho. But what they do is they, spend, they send spies in to try to figure out, well, who are we fighting? You want to size them up first, right? You know, like if, you, if you're going to be in a fight, you got to at least know that you can compete, you know? And so that's what they're doing. They're going in, they're going to sneak in, and they're going to try to size these people up. And so we, that's where we pick up the story in Joshua chapter 2. If you're with me today, I'm going to be in verse 1. And it says then, <laughs> I, I think this is funny, Joshua who, Joshua who had no parents because Joshua is the son of none. That's just kind of like a Bible joke there. <laughs> he, he had parents, but he was, he was the, he's just, I, you know, I thought that was a lot funnier than you, think, you, you thought it was. Joshua, the son of none, he didn't have any parents, you know? No. Okay, secretly, <laughs> he, 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 sent, he sent the spies in. He said, go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. And so they went in, and they entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. Now, Rahab was not searching for them. Guess what? <laughs> they were searching for her. Again, 
God was searching after her. Like, they ended up in her house. Why did they end up in her house? Well, because God had a plan. Because God, God made sure that the place, that the window they snuck into <laughs> was her house. And I say all this to say that God has been coming after a bunch of you guys. Like, he's been searching out. He's been crawling in your window in the middle of the night. Every, you know, like, he's been searching after you. And I, and I think that he's just saying, man, isn't it about time that you just put your life into my hands? Isn't it about time that you just hand over the pen and let, let me write the next chapter? In fact, Revelation says that, that God literally stands at the door and knocks. He stands, picture this, he's standing at the door of your heart today and he's knocking. In fact, there's a beautiful picture out there of this idea of Jesus standing at your door and knocking. And the beautiful thing, if you, if you, if you look up the picture, the beautiful thing about the picture is the only side that has a doorknob is your side. That he's standing at a door that he can't, he can't get in. You have, to, you have to open the latch. You have to initiate that process. Now listen, our God is good and mighty, and he could knock that door down if he wanted to. <laughs> you know, like he, he could kick that door in, but he's not because he's a gentleman, because that's his character. And so he's, he's not going to force himself in on you. He's not going to do that. Instead, he says, hey, he knocks on the door of your heart, and he's saying to some of you today, he's like, hey, how about this Sunday? How about, isn't, isn't, isn't it time? Like, isn't today the day? Like, hey, how about you hand it over today? Like, what? what? He's standing and he's knocking because he searches after you. Your God will search after you. Now, here's the warning. He doesn't always do that. In fact, there's a place in Scripture that says God's spirit does not always strive with man. And so, he gives you, here's what happens. He gives you windows and he gives you moments of opportunities. And for some of you, you know that opportunity. You've felt it in your heart. You know it's time to do a certain thing. You know. There's something just about this. You just, you just have this intuition. You just have, some of you just know. Like, you know that God's speaking to you. You know that God's telling you that you need to change jobs. You know that God's telling you that you need to get involved in church somewhere. You know, like there's something in your heart that's just saying that, hey, it's time to get in a small group or it's time to lead a small group. There's something in your life that God's, like, like he just gives you, he just, he just gives you the peace about it. He just, he's just, he's leading you in that direction. And some of you, you're at an intersection of your life. And you say, well, Pastor, you know what's dark right now? Well, could I just propose, maybe it's dark right now because God is trying to show you his light because he's searching after you. He, he wants you to see that he's, he's searching after you. Here's what Jesus, Jesus literally says about this. He says in John 15, you did not choose me, but guess what? I chose you. I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. What is he saying? I've got a great plan for your life. I've chose you. I've got, I want to write the next chapter in your life. And when I do, you can bear some great fruit. And so I, I just want you to remember in this Rahab story that the spies came in looking for, like it wasn't a coincidence that they got in her window. They were looking for her, everyone. God is search, some, of, some of you in this room, God's searching after you today. You just need to know that. Here's, here's the second point, that God always makes a way for us to be in his story. He always makes a way. So it's not just enough for, to be sought after. It's not just enough to, for God to be searching after you. 
there had to be a way uh, for her to begin to rewrite her very dark story. And so after the guys, give you an idea where we are in the story. After the guys spied on the land, they went back to Rahab's house and they told her, they said, hey, Rahab, okay, here's the plan. <laughs> Don't tell anyone that we were here. You know, first of all, we're, we're, we're coming in to take over your city. Please don't tell anyone that we, we, we were here. So they say, okay, Rahab, don't tell anyone about this. We're going to go back to our camp. And when we come back, to, when, when we come back here, we're going to have this big army, and we're going to be destroying the place. So like they had, they had plans to destroy this place. And Rahab gets afraid, and she says, hey, but uh, I don't want to die, guys. Please, please, I don't want to die. And they said, okay, well, Rahab, we'll make a deal. When we come back, they literally told him that the whole wall is going to come tumbling down. Like the, the walls are going to come tumbling down. But to make sure that we don't destroy your place and to make sure that your family is safe, they said, I want you, Rahab, to swear an oath to us. Let me show you the oath. And this is for you, for you note takers and for those of you who love to make the connections in Scripture, I'm about to make a great connection for you. You ready? Take a look at this. Joshua 2.17, they said, I need you, to, need you to swear an oath to me. And they said, this oath you made us uh, swear, it'll, it'll be binding on us. Right, sorry, it will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, you have tied the scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. This scarlet cord, this idea of this, so, so what, you say, well, what is she supposed to do? So they said that in order for us to know to pass over you, to spare you, I need you to get this red cord. I need you to get this scarlet cord. I need you to hang it on the outside of your house. Well, that scarlet, that red color cord all throughout Scripture is a sign of the cross. It's literally, you ready for this? It's literally a sign of the blood of Jesus. And so this is as if she's literally, you remember the Passover story where they, the blood of the lamb over the doorpost, the, the, the angel of death passes over. They, they live, they have the blood. This is in just another sign of the blood of Jesus that one day on the cross is going, to, is going to save us and give us true life. And this is the same way in her story, that literally she's, that the blood of Jesus is making a way for her. It's a sign of that. And look at what it says. It says, okay, Rahab, so if you, if you hang that cord outside your, outside your house, and if you'll tell, but if you, tell, if you tell what we are doing, we'll be released from the oath that you made us swear. And they, uh, she agreed. And it said, let it be as you say. So she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in her window. And the rest of the story, by the way, is a great read. I'd encourage you to go, to go read it in Joshua chapter, chapter 2 here. Because the walls, all of a sudden now, the walls come tumbling down. Guess what? The whole wall around the city comes down except for one section of that. And you know what section it was? It's her little apartment inside the wall with the scarlet cord, the sign of the blood of Jesus over her. Ain't that incredible? I, I, I just, I love it. One apartment still standing because she applied the blood of Jesus because God made a way. He made a way to, for her to get out. And listen, some of you, you're in that same season. 
you don't like how your story is being written right now, and you need to understand that there is a way out. There's a way out. And you know what it is? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And you, and you think, oh, no, no, Pastor, no, I just, need, I just need a new job. I just need another degree. I just, I just need a new wife, you know. I just need a new spouse, you know. I, I, I'm serious. I'm, I'm dead serious. That's, isn't that what we think? I, that's what I need. Or I'll just keep trying harder. Well, Pastor Noah, I can rewrite my own story if I just try a little bit harder. It's not going to change anything. In fact, I, a lot of people who try it, their story just gets darker. And I'm just, I'm just, I just am making a proposal to you today on Mother's Day, everyone, that if you would just allow Jesus to step in and change your life, the Bible says that he has this unique way of turning the bad things in your life. He has this unique way of turning those dark days, those dark chapters of your life, and he can rewrite it in such a way where it turns it for good. He's just got this. Romans 8, 28 says, We know that in all things, every bit of it, circle, highlight, underline, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. He can take your dark chapter, your dark story, and he can turn it for good. All right? You got it? Yeah. So now, not only was Rahab saved, it's amazing that she was, it, she, she covered by the blood of Jesus. She's been saved. But she had no idea. She had no idea what else God would do through her. And God literally said, God, God, what God is doing now is, now he's like, okay, not only did I save you, but now I'm going to make you a part of this story. I'm going to make you the, the great grandmother of Jesus. And this teaches us that God's story always has a redemptive ending. That it's not over. That you... you <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that God can bring some redemptive things. Redemptive just meaning that it's better than you think it is. So it can, it, can be, it can be better than what you already think it is. And so he doesn't just, get this, God doesn't just want to forgive your sins. He does want to do that, by the way. He wants to forgive your sins. But I talk to too many Christians who just say, well, I just, I just need to go to church. I just need to get saved. And then one day, just hopefully go to, hopefully I'll make it into heaven. You know, like, listen, that's great. He does want to forgive you. He does want to do that. But giving your heart to Jesus is not the end of your spiritual journey. Too many people make, okay, I'm saved. This is it. I've got, I've got my like, punch card to heaven. You know, like <laughs> When you get there, I want you to see that I was a member of City Hope Church, and I went and I served on the cafe team, and I, <laughs> I made 551 drinks while I was there, right? Like, <laughs> Listen, it, just surrendering your heart to Jesus, is, it's not the end. It's, it's just the start of a new story that God wants to write in your life. And who knew with Rahab? She would literally, she's, by the way, I keep saying the great, 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 great. She's the 20, she would be the 28th great grandmother of Jesus, to give you an idea. So that's how, that's how far back this is. And so we, we actually, the unique thing about her, I told you that we see her in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 11, in the Hall of Fame of Faith. But we also see her in Matthew, in the, in, the, in the first chapter in the book of Matthew, where Matthew lists off the genealogy of Jesus. But the unique thing about this is that Matthew lists 42 people in a row. So he's, he's documenting, all right? He's the tax collector. He's the, he's the, he likes the line, you know, like that. He's, he's the detail-oriented person. And so Matthew's listing off, here's all the people before Jesus. This is Jesus' bloodline. And I want you to notice, he lists off 42 people, 
all of those who were mainly grandfathers of Jesus. These are men. These are, these are the great-grandfathers of Jesus. But I want you to notice, in the middle of the 24 great-grandfathers of Jesus, he inserts four grandmothers. Four. Why would he do that? Why would he choose four? Well, I think the answer is, as I told you, Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew didn't have such a, such a good story himself, did he? I mean, before Jesus stepped in the room, Matthew was a cheat. He was hated by everyone around him. I mean, he didn't have a good story. And so Matthew, the tax collector, I think, wants all of us to know that in the genealogy of Jesus, everyone, the genealogy of Jesus is not just perfect people. <laughs> it's not just holy people. Matthew chapter 1, verse 3. He goes on. He says, okay, so he's listing the names. He says, Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Tamar, which by the way, if you want to read that story, it's in Genesis chapter 38. That story is one of the darkest, ugliest stories I think you may ever read in the Bible. And so <laughs> go read it on your own. I'm not going to read it for you today, but it is a dark, ugly story. And she's listed as one of the great grandmothers of Jesus. Another one. Uh, Excuse me. Who, he mentions Rahab here. Rahab, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. So he mentions Rahab and Ruth. I've told you about Rahab. Ruth, get this. Ruth wasn't even from the. Ruth wasn't from the right bloodline. Ruth wasn't even Jewish. Okay. So this is she. This is this was very this was very odd, and she ends up in the genealogy of Jesus, meaning that all of a sudden now. What Matthew's showing us is that now they let an outsider in. Like they, they let an outsider into the family. And then I'll give you the last, the last grandmother that's mentioned. It says, David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Uriah's wife. Which, by the way, they don't even mention her name, but her name is Bathsheba. And many of you, now that you know her name, Bathsheba, she was the girl who was bathing outside on her roof privately. At least she thought. It was privately. And David, as king, was standing over there, lusting after her bathing on the roof. And she, he literally would have her, <laughs> he, would, he would have her over, and he would kill her husband, who was out in battle fighting for him. He would have her husband killed, and he would take her as his own wife. And, and Bathsheba, she never even asked for this. She was just caught up in the middle of it. She was the victim. She's the victim in the story. And she's listed as just, he was, she was Uriah's wife. Imagine the grief of losing your husband and then being shamed by the king of the entire nation. That's where she was. That's, that's her story. And so you say, Pastor Noah, why did Matthew insert those four names? Are you ready for this? This is my favorite. If you don't, if you don't learn anything else, Write this down, okay? Because this is my favorite part of the message. I'm about to preach to you. All right? You ready for this? Why did he insert these four names? Because he wanted you to know, through Tamar's story, that God will forgive your darkest sin. And there's some of you in here today that you think you've gone too far, that you've done too much, that God could never, ever redeem it, forgive it. He could never write a new chapter and make it work in your story. He can, everyone. He'll forgive your darkest sins. That's what he wants you to learn through Tamar's story. 
through Rahab's story. He wants you to know that God will use you regardless of your past, no matter what you've done. If you've been a prostitute, God can still use you. Like, that's what he's saying through Rahab's story, that God will use you regardless of your past. And then through Ruth's story, he wants you to know that God will not leave anyone out, that he brings the outsiders in. He makes them close. And then through Bathsheba, he wants to tell you that God can heal any situation, no matter how dark, depressing, no matter whether you asked for it or not, or if you're just caught in the happenstance of circumstances around you, that he can still heal any situation. He can turn your story around today. Come on, give Jesus praise. He can turn your story around. Come on. I just love it. Through the, through the mothers of the faith, through the grandmothers of Jesus, that God will forgive me, that he'll use me, that he won't leave me out, and that he can heal whatever I'm going through right now. Okay, so Pastor Noah, I got to get moving. It's 10.02. You need to get out of here at 10.15. I understand. So we'll, we'll get moving, all right? How can God write our sto- rewrite our story? I think Rahab would tell us, back to Rahab, by the way. I just, that, that's just a little fun that I had this. <laughs> I was studying all four, and I just thought, you know what? I can't leave them out. I just got to give them to you. And so anyway, that's some bonus points. Number one, Rahab. Back to Rahab. God invites you to be a part of his story. So what's the invitation? (laughs) Join him. Just join him. All I'm asking you to do today is what if you would just say yes? Like God's pulling on your heart to do something right now. He's knocking on the door of your heart. All you have to do is just say yes. And if he would just, listen, what if he would just come and be a part of it? Stop resisting him. And you know who you are? Listen, you know who you are in this room today because your heart's racing right now. (laughs) Like, you understand that. You've been resisting him. Listen, there's been times in my life, I've been the same way. Listen, there's times in my life that I I resisted resisted God. I'll tell you, one of the the worst times is I, I knew that God gave me a dream for this place here. I knew God had given me a dream to to plant a church. I just knew that. But I didn't feel qualified to do it, and I tried to pursue everything else. And before I ever decided to move back home to Murfreesboro, I tried everywhere else. I just I just I I had five other jobs lined up. That I was I was I was going to go as close to Centralia, to Knoxville, to Kansas City. At one time I had said yes to all of those places. <laughs> We had, a, we had an apartment in Lee Summit, Missouri, it, out, on the outskirts of Kansas City, because I was going to go plant, going to help my buddy plant a church. I thought, I thought, that's it. That's it. And nothing worked out. I mean, just, just stop after stop after stop. I pursued everything else. I, resist, I constantly resisted God. And he gave me opportunity after opportunity to come home, to come home. He just, he just wanted me home. And finally, I decided I moved home. I just said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move home. And then I still didn't do what he called me to do. And so then I spent the next year just about miserable because I just, I wouldn't give the full yes to him. I needed to give the full, and I, I, I let, here's what happened. I let the fear that I had keep me from saying yes. I just said, I'd done decided in my heart that I, I can't do it, that it wasn't going to work. I, I resisted him, but I got, I got to the point to where I was so just frazzled by the entire world that I just, I just had to say, God, you know what? God, I hate the story 
that's been written right now. And you know what I realized is that I've been writing the story. <laughs> I can't stand the story that I've wrote. But I just prayed this prayer, and I just, I just invite you to pray the same thing. That God, I don't like the story that I've written. But Lord, if you would just save me. Like, Lord, if you would just show up in my life. If you would do the things that only you can do. You'll never have a better follower. Like, I will, I will be the, the best follower you've ever had. You know, like, and some of you, that's the prayer you need to pray. Is that you've been trying to do things on your own. And you need to, today's the day. Like, I'm inviting you to it. Stop and say, God, I've wrote my own chapters. I've wrote my own story. And I don't like what's been written. But Lord, if you'd save me. I would be the best follower you've ever had. John chapter 8 says, Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And some of you, you need the light of life in your story today. And you say, Pastor Noah, where do I get that light? Well, in Luke chapter 9, it says, Then he said to all of them, Whoever wants to be my disciple, what do we do? We have to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow him, follow Jesus. And so we've got to deny our own story. We've got to stop writing our own story. And you know, that's what salvation is. Salvation is just when you surrender. It's, it's you surrendering your life. It's, it's you letting the author of your life have the pen back. That's what salvation is. In fact, the scripture goes on to say, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me We'll save it. Listen, every one of us, we all have a dark and ugly story. But listen, God can turn it around in just a second. He can. In fact, I'll say it like this, not in your notes, but if you want to write this down, give your life to God. He can do more with it than you can. I think it's just as, it's just as simple as that. He can do it. He can, he can do so much more than you can. Here's point number two, is that God wants to surprise you with his love and so, would you just accept it? Accept him. Listen, I'm convinced that if Rahab was preaching a message to you today, that this is what she'd say. That she, can you imagine the overwhelming love that she would have had to experience? I mean, I think she would have been shocked. Honestly, I'm sure Rahab was shocked. And out of all the people in Jericho, God picked the prostitute to be in his story. Like, of all the people, you, you can't, of all the people... That's who God picks? Well, you know, God does that intentionally. <laughs> I mean, he does. He picks the darkest people, and he uses them. I mean, why did God use Moses? Moses was a stutterer and a murderer, and yet God chose Moses to free his people from the slavery in Egypt to stand up. The stutterer stood up and gave a speech to Pharaoh ten different times. I, why, would he, why would he use that guy? Why would he use David as a great king? When he, I told you about the story with Bathsheba. When, why would he use David to write all these beautiful psalms that, that we read today? We, we even sing them today. When David was an adulterer, why, why would he use him? Why would, why would the, the person who was the murderer of Christians, why would he use Saul or Paul, who was the murderer of Christians, to write two-thirds of the New Testament that we have today? It doesn't make sense. Why would he, why would he allow that? I think it's to show us <laughs> that you and I still have a place in this story. 
that you and I, that there, there is no place that his love cannot reach. God wants to, uh, us to understand that. And he, I, let me give you Hebrews chapter 4. It says, we do not have a priest who is out of touch with reality. You know, I talk, I talk to a lot of people who think that God doesn't understand what we go through. That he just doesn't understand. The fact is, he does. In fact, that's what, literally, it says that we don't, we don't have a priest who's out of touch with reality. He's been through weakness and testing. He's experienced it all. He's experienced all of it but sin. So let's walk right up to him and, let's, and, and get what is so ready, what he's so ready to give to you. And here's my invitation for you today. Take the mercy and accept the help. Would you just receive the love that he has for you? Take the mercy, accept the help. Number three is that God wants you to love others with your actions. And so my invite to you is just to serve him. I think that's what Rahab, I think Rahab would say the best part of her life wasn't the moment the walls came tumbling down. I mean, that would probably be a very cool moment, right? Like all the walls come down except your apartment. That'd be a very cool moment. But I'm convinced that she would say that that was not the best part of her life. I think she would tell you that the best part of her life is the fact that she would be able to be used by God to be the grandmother of Jesus. Like that, I think she would tell you that the best part of her life is that God had a plan for her life. <laughs> is that once he fixes your story, he wants to use your story to touch other people that are usually, by the way, in the same situation. And by the way, I just... I want to dispel a myth that drives me crazy about some church people. Because there's this myth that, that goes around that says, man, you can't do anything for God unless you get your act together. Like, God can't use you unless, unless you finally, like, you got to get some stuff together first. Like, you know, like, we, we do this, don't we? Like, hmm, they can't do that. They don't, have you seen their life? Yeah. Listen, if that's your goal to get your act together, get in line with the rest of us <laughs> because <laughs> I'm still working on it. I'm still trying to get it all together. And I talked to people, I, I, I mentioned about, I, I intentionally mentioned earlier about leading us, like God might be calling you to lead a small group or do something like that because I talked to people who most of the time they're like, man, I can't lead a small group. I just got so many problems. I just got too many problems. People, people don't want to hear about my problems. And listen, that's not the case at all. Those people who probably attend your group want to hear from someone who's going through the same stuff that they're going through. Like, it's irrelevant if I show up to a small group meeting and just know it all. That's annoying, everyone, by the way. Can I just say that? So some of y'all need to step down from leading a small group. You know, I... <laughs> Like, we're not looking for know-it-alls to lead groups. We're looking for some people who have gone through some stuff. Like, who've got some experience, like, who can share what they've gone through, who can be honest and transparent and say, hey, I'm, you know what, I'm not proud of this chapter of my story, but I know that I went through it on purpose and that God can use this part of my story to encourage you. Listen, we're... You're here today, this is not a church, this is a hospital, and we're all in the same hospital together. And, and some of us just got here a little sooner than you did, all right? And so we're just, we're just all some patients here. And God, 
God continues to heal us and restore us, but we don't, we don't got it all together. And can I just tell you that God wants to use some of those hurts, those past hurts, those griefs that you've gone through. He wants to use the darkness that you've been through, and God can use that darkness to bring light into other people. 1 John chapter 3 says, This is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters, dear children, let us not love with just our words or speech, but let's do it with actions and in truth. Let's love people. Let's serve. Let's get involved. Come on, let's go to let's go to serve day. Let's make summer blast a big part of our life. Like let's let's just serve our community. And guess what? When you do, here's the amazing thing. All of a sudden, this is how your story turns. That when you serve other people, when you share the terrible experiences that you've had with others, when you're able to encourage them in that way, all of a sudden, <laughs> now your story is turning great. And I talk to the people who serve. They'll tell you. They'll tell you that, that that's when my life story became great. When I got in a community of people who loved me, who supported me, who, who told me, that this was not the end of this. This wasn't the end of the chapter. Like this, this wasn't the end of my book. This was just the end of the chapter, and that God was getting ready to write a new story. I'll say it like this: that Martin Luther King said it like this: that everyone can be great because anyone can serve. And so my challenge this summer is find a place that you can serve. And here's the last one, and I'm I'm going to give you the verse first uh, because you know why. I know if you put those notes in, we start clicking those things, shutting them in. so I, I'll go, I will wait to, <laughs> I like to tease you sometimes, so 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse first. this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am one of the worst of them all, but guess what everyone, God had mercy on me, so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime. He's using you as an example, everyone, a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. And then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. But you say, but Pastor Noah, okay, so he saved me, but what does he want in return? So I've been saved, what does he want from me? Well, I'll say this, the verse ends like this, that all honor and glory to God forever. You know what he wants? He just wants you to bless him. He just wants you to thank him. He just wants you to worship him. And I think, I think Rahab would say, it's my final point, write it down, that God signs his name to your story. So when he does, would you thank him for what he's done? Just thank him. That, Lord, I knew I had some chapters that were dark in my life. But, Lord, thank you for rewriting my life story and redeeming me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you took the pen and that you knew what you were doing. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you. Oh, Father, today, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, I just come before you today. And first, we just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Father, thank you for searching for us. Lord, you didn't have to search for me, but Lord, you searched for me. I thank you, Lord, that you, that you came searching for me. 
that, Lord, every dark season that I've ever been through in my life, Lord, that you, you were the light in the middle of that and you came searching for a sinner like me. God, I thank you for searching for all of us in this room. God, I thank you for another chance that we have. Lord, some of us, we've, we've, we wrote our own story and then we allowed you to pick up the pen for a little bit and then we took it back. But Lord, I thank you that today we can resurrender that to you. Thank you, Lord, for turning our life around. Lord, for making it new. Lord, for redeeming us. Lord, for making our life story make sense. God, I thank you for the calling that you've given me into ministry. Lord, I thank you that even when I hesitated, Lord, that you were, you were still with me. And that, Lord, when I finally surrendered the pen, Lord, that you, you've done a great work through me. And, Lord, I thank you for every person in this room who has that same story. Lord, the story that, Lord, they had, they were their own author. But, Lord, that when they surrendered their life to you, that when you took the pen, you redeemed it all. I thank you for that redeeming ministry, Lord. Lord, I thank you that I get to stand before you today, Lord, in this church. Lord, I thank you that I can talk about Rahab, Lord, a prostitute that would become the grandmother of Jesus. Lord, I pray for the person in this room who feels like they've gone too far, like they, Lord, that they feel like they just, they just can't. They're just asking themselves right now that can, can God really redeem me from where I'm at? Lord, I thank you that you're giving them hope today. <laughs> Lord, that you're encouraging them. Lord, I pray that you would love them. And Lord, most importantly, Lord, I pray that you would show them that no matter what they've done, they haven't gone too far to be redeemed and to come back to your grace. And so, Lord, for every person in this room that needs to surrender that, Lord, I pray that you would help them right now in this moment. Lord, we surrender our lives over to you. Lord, we say today, have the pen of our lives. Lord, write us a new chapter. We love you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Hey, with your heads bowed, eyes closed, if you're in this place and you say, Pastor Noah, I, I, I want to surrender my life over to Jesus. I need to let Jesus take the pen of my life. Maybe this is for the first time. I want to invite you to pray a prayer. Pray this prayer. Mean it in your heart. And man, I, I believe that God's going to, going to take the pen of your life. He's going to write a new chapter in this moment. So if that's you in this room, repeat this after me. Church, we all believe it. So just say this after me. Say this. Say, dear God. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. But I believe that you raised him from the dead. Say this, say, Jesus, I make you my Lord. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Would you clap for all those who prayed that prayer today?